This podcast is for information purposes only and is not and should not be construed as professional advice or an offer or commitment by any Rabobank group member to enter into a transaction. The views expressed by the presenter and or guest are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of Rabobank. Please see the podcast description for our full disclaimer. Welcome to Rabo Talks Growing Our Future, where we talk to experts from both here in New Zealand and across the world to bring New Zealand farmers and growers the information they need to make informed strategic decisions about the future direction of their business to ensure they continue to thrive in a fast-changing world. We talk a lot about resilient farming systems, but today we're going to dive into the resilience in ourselves. Isolation and the sometimes stressful nature of agriculture, with severe weather and volatile trading conditions outside of one's control, can put a reasonable amount of pressure on rural families. You can't control the weather, or the commodity prices for that matter, but you can control how you dance in the rain, or what gear you choose to put on. But how do you stay upbeat when you're feeling like the chips are against you? I'm this week's host, Katie Rodwell, and for any loyal listeners out there, you might notice a name change. I have just recently got married. Anyway, back to the important stuff. In today's episode, we talk through what is a pretty real topic at the moment, farmer resilience. I have the pleasure of speaking with David Todd today, better known as Toddy, who's the man behind Toddy Talks. He's a husband, a dad, professional MC, keynote speaker, but most importantly, a facilitator for the East Coast Rural Support Trust. The East Coast Rural Support Trust is a charitable trust operating in the East Coast region and is part of a nationwide network of support trusts, and they're set up to work with the rural community when times are tough on the farm. Toddy, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting your insight into a topic that I think deserves a bit more airtime. Thanks very much for having me. Stoked to have made the cap. As a long-time listener that I hope you are, Toddy, you probably know that we like to get our guests to introduce themselves. So could you just tell me and our listeners just a little bit about your background and more about, in particular, your role as a facilitator for the Rural Support Trust? Yeah, sure, Katie. So you've called me Toddy a couple of times. So my real name is David Todd, but I've grown to become called Toddy pretty much everywhere I go. And I operate under the banner of Toddy Talks. And that all stemmed from a long career in rural banking. I grew up on a farm in Central Hawke's Bay. As a child, went away to boarding school, uh, went to Lincoln, that fine establishment of learning. Yes. And entered the fraternity of rural banking quite some time ago. It was the late 80s, actually. It was quite an induction of fire for a young person turning up on the farms for people where they'd gone from an interest rate of 7.5% fixed by the government to a, the best floating rate we could do at the time was 225 Bloody hell. So it was a pretty steep learning curve. Did a lap of the country with banking over 25 years, believe it or not, despite how young I look. <laughs> and that culminated in a role that I had in training and development. I had face-to-face roles in rural banking. I had a key account role, which was with some of the larger exposures in the bank. I had a training and development role when I left in 2011. And that extended banking career came about as a function of my original expectations of going farming, not coming to fruition. Uh, Things in the family changed and I was sort of at a point where I was committed, doing a few other things, and the banking thing was my mainstay. And then in 2011, I stepped out on my own under the Toddy Talks banner, fundamentally operated in rural New Zealand with an emphasis on 
relationship-based sales training, do a fair bit of MC work, some independent facilitation. And as part of that, having been around rural New Zealand for a while and, and just becoming aware of the increasing pressures, I guess, that are on people around the place and some personal experience, I was invited to join the Rural Support Trust here in Hawke's Bay in 2017, which I was really complimented to be asked to do that, which essentially is an organisation of rural people helping rural people experiencing tough times. It's a very confidential conduit to help is the way I look at it. And people have said that must be a bit of a tough thing to do, and it can be at times, but I feel as someone who has some experience in the industry, uh, some experience personally, that having that skill set and that experience to bring to the table to help others out is a really cool thing to do. So it's something that I do enjoy being part of. And then here we are today. Amazing. That's um, quite a background you've had. I can't believe the interest rates back then. That would have been a bit of a rude awakening for a a young uni bloke, but um, made you resilient, I'm sure, and a topic that we want to dive into today. And so Toddy, We know that, I mean, sustainability, we talk a lot about on this podcast. It's not just about the environment, whilst that's an important part of it. Um, It's also about the social side of managing business impacts and and the impacts that that has on people and communities. And it's actually not a topic that we've really covered to date on our podcast. So I'm actually really looking forward to exploring the importance of our social capital and and the people that do the, the hard work of farming our land. And... So as we've discussed today, I really want to dive into the topic about resilient farmers. As you've alluded to, there's a lot happening out there in our sector at the moment, some really great stuff, some challenging stuff, and lots of things that are out of our control. Um, And all of these things can obviously play in how we respond to challenges and changes in, in front of us. Can you give us a bit of insight or your take on what the word resilience means to you? Sure. It's a word, it's probably one of the reasons I, I got involved in the support trust, I think. that A lot of the narrative I felt was about if you are having a bad day, you're depressed and you should go and get some pills. And I was concerned at that messaging. I, I don't discount for a minute the fact that people get to a point where they need professional help and they need medication. But fundamentally for me, resilience is about looking after yourself physically and trusting your ability to cope. And I think we underestimate that at times. It's one of the messages that I'm taking into the community at the moment. You know, we're just three months off Cyclone Gabriel here in Hawke's Bay. And as a person who's had a few birthdays, you know, I was a veteran of Cyclone Bowler in Gisborne. I was in the Manawatu in 2004 when we had significant flooding events. Obviously, Christchurch is 2011 earthquake experience was massive and ongoing but when you look at those things over a period of time the vast majority of people came through them you know we are inherently wired as a species to cope life isn't perfect life isn't facebook and instagram photoshop photographs of a perfect existence It's actually the ups and downs that come along as we go and understanding that those things happen and this too shall pass when there are tough times, I think is a really important part of being a resilient person. So for me, it's more about getting good daily habits and a good mindset that gives you the ability to cope through the ups and downs that life throws at you. There will be ebbs and flows like there are with anything in life and 
understanding that fundamentally we're wired to cope, I think, is a really important thing. So for me, that's probably the essence of resilience is just that understanding that you are wired to cope and you'll get through. You mentioned the word mindset there, like helping your mindset. What do you mean by that? Like when you're talking to farmers around their mindset, what does that mean? Because often I think what I'm getting to with this is that over the last eight to 10 years I've been in the industry, there's been a lot of discussion around we need to have a shift in our mindset to better help us navigate all of the change that's coming down the line. And it's pretty tough out there at times for farmers. And some people say, well, their mindset needs to change. And I mean, there's obviously an element of that, but I'm just keen to kind of unpack that a little bit more. Like, what do you mean by having the right mindset? Simply put, are you the kind of person that looks out a window and sees a sunny day or sees a dirty window? Mm. Might be a way. Are they both? (laughs) Yeah. And, and, And I think a bit of both is the right answer. But it's understanding that both exist. A lot of the people that are talking about this stuff talk about catastrophizing things. And often as a species and and as individuals, you just run straight to the worst possible scenario when, in fact, there are plenty of options along the way. And in fact, whilst there might be things going wrong, there will still be things that are going right. So the, the mindset I'm talking about is thinking critically, really, you know, being able to distinguish fact from opinion. Just because the committee called they say that everything's going wrong, I mean, that's a really dangerous phrase because everything encaptures, you know, it's all-encompassing. Everyone's talking about such and such. No, they're not. There might be a few people that are talking about it and there might might have been three or four people that have expressed that view, but that doesn't mean everybody holds it. So it's thinking critically, it's exploring what's available and it's controlling what you can control. Sounds a bit stroppy, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's great. But what I want to get into is how does that practically show up? So what are some of the tools or tips that, that you would give to some farmers, as an example, who might be wanting to explore this a little bit more? Because I guess like it is human nature to default to a negative mindset when things aren't going so well. How do you bring yourself back out of that pit and change into a more positive energy when, when you find yourself, you know, it's... We've had a a wet autumn, commodity prices aren't great, the cost of living is through the roof, you know, you might be feeling a bit like the chips are against you. What are some kind of tips or tricks that you'd give to some farmers to help, or not necessarily farmers, anyone listening that that might want to explore like what you can do to lift yourself out of that? Because it can be tough at times. Oh, totally, yeah. And look, let's not shy away from the fact that everybody's got stuff to deal with. But at the same time, there will be good things happening. So Dr. Lucy Hone talks about hunt the good when you're in a tough situation. Just actually, okay, accept that. Yeah, it's tough, but what is right here? And staying in the frame of mind that allows you to look at both sides of the equation, I think is really important. So being aware of your inputs, sometimes we can head down a path that's becomes a spiral downwards because you keep looking for what's wrong. And, and my encouragement to people is to run almost a mental balance sheet, or, you know, just a table. Most coins have two sides. A table has more than one aspect to it and a balance sheet has assets and liabilities on it. And when there's a situation that's difficult, there will be aspects of it that are tough and some of them you'll be able to fix and some of them you won't. 
So let's quantify those and say, okay, what are the things that I can deal with here and what are the things I cannot and what assets still remain intact, for want of a better term. So it's really important, I think, to stop and think and evaluate things, think critically, and to be able to do that. And it sounds really simple and basic, but, you know, look after yourself physically. Ziggler used to say, feed your mind as often as you feed your body. And obviously we, you know, most of us eat two or three times a day, but what are you feeding your mind alongside that? So, you know, what are you reading? What are you listening to? Who are you associating with? Do you start your day by listening to the news, for example? Yes, the news has its place, but when was the last time you finished listening to the news and thought, wow, that sounds really good? <laughs> <laughs> and because as a species we look for what's wrong, that's why the news works, because they tell you what's wrong all the time. You know, I remember when the first time someone said to me, I'll stop listening to the news, I thought, well, you've got to be mad. Like, how will I know what's going on? But try it for a week. It lifts your mood. It's incredible. And if stuff's wrong, people tell you. You find out pretty quickly the things that you need to know or don't need to know. I think for me, focusing on the positives is, I mean, it sounds cheesy, doesn't it? But like, I, I'm quite big on like gratitude. I, I write things down, like three things down, or I say to Luke in the mornings, like, what are two things you're grateful for? And it will just be whatever spins off off the kind of top of our heads. And I don't know, five years ago or so, I would have thought that, that was kind of a silly thing to do but it's actually made such a difference in my day-to-day life just to help you kind of lift yourself up a little bit. One of the things that's really important from a mindset point of view is to have a plan and my encouragement to people is have a values-based plan because if you don't know where you're going or what you're aiming at then when you're faced with a difficult situation and you don't have a true north to help guide you through that, it's much harder to make decisions. Whereas if you've sat down and it might be a 12-month plan, it might be a 36-month, five-year plan, and I know things change quickly, so, you know, set your goals in concrete and your plans in sand, but if you have a focus and you you know where you're heading and you know what's important to you, then it just makes the decision-making process so much easier. Is doing this particular activity or heading down this particular path of action helping me or hindering me in terms of achieving what I'm aiming at? And if if you don't know what you're aiming at, then that's a really tough question to answer. So it goes right back to having a plan. And so this ties quite nicely into a few of the episodes that we've had just recently have been about farm plans and the farm assurance accreditation in which you have to have a plan to have that the FAP plus certification they, they always talk about having a plan and one of the questions that we ask is what do you need to do to start that like the, the plan that you're referring to in terms of a value driven plan like if someone didn't have something and they were like I don't even really know what you're talking about here what where would they start what would that look like the starting point really is probably describe a day in your life in five years time what does it look like from a personal point of view, from a family point of view, from a financial point of view, from a physical point of view, and from a spiritual point of view. And spirituality can be all sorts of things to different people, but having some balance in that. So that gives you a a big picture starting point, and then you can work back from there. And it might be, you know, if that's what it looks like five years out, then what does it need to look like three years out to get there? 
And three years out, okay, at the end of 12 months, if we want to be a third of the way to the three-year thing, what are we going to do in the next 12 months? And then divide that by 12. What are we going to do this month? You've got four weeks. What are we going to do this week? There's seven days in a week, usually. Have a day off is a good idea. So say there's six, call it five, shall we? Yeah, two days off, surely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do in the next five days? It's so simple and yet so few people do it. Mm. And it gives so much clarity to people that do do it. And without it, it would be a bit like going to the counter at the airport and walking up to the counter and saying, send me somewhere. Mm. And, you know, what, is, what are the staff going to say? Well, the first question they would ask you is, well, where do you want to go? Well, I don't know. So then it's all, and a lot of people do know what they don't want yeah. and they don't know what they do want. So do you want to, you know, to use the travel analogy, do you want to go somewhere hot or somewhere cold? You know, I prefer hot, okay. How far are you prepared to fly? So, you know, what is it going to, what are you prepared to invest? How long do you want to be there? What is it, what are you, you like fishing, do you like diving, do you like lying by the pool? Do you like playing golf? And if you like playing golf, don't go somewhere hot whereas there's no golf courses. <laughs> I mean, it sounds really simple, but those are the that's the simple things in life that add up to the big things. You know, nothing nothing's a big bang. Overnight, most overnight successes happen over 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. And I think the challenge right now, and I'm just trying to think practically, I'm putting myself in a farmer's shoe. They've got like regulation coming at them at a pretty quick rate of knots. They've got weather to deal with, they've got commodity prices, all of these different pieces. There's a whole lot of things happening at them. And we talk about controlling the controllables. And I think this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to get this dive into this topic of resilience is being resilient for me is making sure that you feel confident about controlling your controllables because you can't control anything else. And whilst making a plan can help that, what would be some of your other tips or pieces of advice of understanding what your controllables are and then and then managing them? How do you keep yourself above the line and focus on those things that you can actually control? If you go back to having a plan and you know what you're aiming at and then you know, you know, like you talk about, there's lots of regulation coming at farmers at the moment. And, and that's true, but that is what it is. So understand what those regulations are and then don't try and be an expert in all of them. Like get a good network of people around you. So there will be consultants who do farm environment management plans for you. There'll be accountants who understand the tax implications of it. There'll be lawyers who understand the legal structures that are good to have in place. There'll be other farmers who have had a crack at it that have succeeded. Go to a farm environment awards field day and look, listen and learn from not only the winner but other people that are there. Those sorts of things are, are really important, using your personal networks. One of the other things I think that we are wired to do is help people. If you are lost somewhere in a city and you stop someone and say, excuse me, can you help me find this place? The person's highly likely to help you. And so if you feel like you're battling to get through all this quote-unquote maze of regulation, engage somebody who has a level of expertise in that field that can help you out. And yeah, it might cost you some money to do that, but it's really your licence to operate. So, you know, what value is it to you? Way more than what it's going to cost you to get someone on board to help you to do it. 
Yeah. And I guess that's, I mean, one of the reasons that we started this podcast was also like, how do you share some of these insights from people that are knowledgeable in their area of expertise? And and we're also wanting to get some more farmers on the podcast too, to share their stories, like what's worked for them, what hasn't worked. Um, because I think the power of that storytelling and sharing sharing their journeys and their insights is, is how we help support change and give that kind of practical take on things, I suppose. Yeah, we, we all learn from each other. You, you know, you either learn from your own experience or OPE, other people's experience. And that's where as the raft of legislation that's getting handed to the industry continues, there will be people leading the charge that are saying, okay, it's here, I've got to deal with it, I'll get my head around it and get on with it. And that'll disseminate through the farming community over a period of time. There'll always be period people that struggle with that. There's probably people still today that drive motor cars that wrestle with the fact that they've got to put a seatbelt on. And yet for most of us, it's just a habit. And in five or ten years' time, that this legislation that we are dealing with, and yes, some of it's complicated and technical, but there are people around who understand it. There are people around who have implemented what they need to do to comply with it. And those of us who have yet to do that can learn from those people. And I'm sure if we ask, those people will be willing to help. And maybe that's part of being resilient, is understanding what you're good at, what you're not good at, and getting a hand with the stuff that you struggle with. Yeah. Wrapping yourself or wrapping other people around you that can help fill those gaps. Totally. Toddy, what support tools are available to farmers? So there might be some some people that are feeling the squeeze a bit at the moment. What what support tools are around or where, where can you go to have a conversation with the likes of yourself or if you wanted to, you know, you'd listen to this podcast and you go, actually, maybe I do want to put a bit of a plan together, but I want to have a chat to someone about how I might think about that. What's available to our rural communities? There's a lot of good people all around the country, so people with specific local knowledge. So it's, I mean, in terms of generic information, it's hard to put your finger on too much. In the personal resilience space, kind of the well-being stuff, I think FarmStrong is a wonderful resource. It's really rural-focused. There's a, there's a lot of material in there around all sorts of stuff. Using your personal networks or, or ask people, you know, if you go to a farm discussion group or you go to a field day or ask your accountant or your lawyer or your banker. I mean, bankers, I might be a bit biased because I've spent a wee bit of time in that industry, but bankers have a deep insight into a lot of stuff because they have to, particularly around the compliance, the sustainability aspect, the stuff. So they will have either knowledge themselves or points of reference that you can go to and enhance your knowledge around those things, or, you know, upskill yourself, educate yourself on those things. So... But first and foremost, I would say to people, back yourself too. You can probably do more than you think you can. So just give it a crack. You're never good at something before you're bad at it, which is something simple as riding a bike. You know, we can all go back to your first experience of riding a bike, getting a flash new bike for Christmas and hopping on it, going down the side of the house, straight across the lawn and into the rose bush was my personal experience. (laughs) (laughs) And for some of us, the first crack at putting a farm environment management plan together is like that. You end up in a rose bush, and it's at that point that someone comes and picks you up and says, here, we'll give you a hand with that. Or you actually ask, 
and go and get someone to help you. Any key messages or key takeaways for our listeners, Toddy, in, in the space of resilience and, I guess, controlling the controllables that you'd want to finish on? Yeah, I think there's probably four for me. The first one would be to have a plan, and it doesn't have to be complicated. But until you know what you're aiming at and what you, you know, be clear about where your values base is. So have a values-based plan. So what's important to you and then what are you aiming at? And that, that creates a whole lot of clarity and a whole lot of motivation to get stuff done because you're aiming at something specific. The second thing I'd say would be to have connections. And that's personal connections, and that's both social and professional. So for me, working on my own now a lot of the time, something I make a point of doing as often as I can is playing tennis with a group of guys once a week. And it ticks a few boxes. It's a social connection, a couple of them in my professional networks. It's being physically active, and it's just doing something different. So it doesn't have to be too formal or structured, but I think those social networks are really important, as well as the business ones. I think the third thing is, is look after yourself physically, and that sounds trite, but it's true. You know, you, you don't want to be crook when you're trying to perform at your optimum, and you don't have to go to the gym 19 times a week or anything. It's just looking out, go for a walk, eat properly, get some sleep, drink plenty of water, you know, <laughs> simple, simple stuff. The last thing is we are wired as a species to cope. And life isn't perfect. So there are going to be things that come at you. And we've all had tough times, and we will all have tough times. If I live in Hawke's Bay, if I want to drive from here to Auckland, I'm not going to sit here and say, right, I'm not leaving here until you can guarantee me there's no roadworks, there's no stop-go signs, there's no traffic lights that are on red before I leave. Those things will happen, and I'll cope with them. And life is a wee bit the same. There are good times and there are not so good times. But we are wired to cope. So back yourself. You've got this. Mm, love that. When you break it down, it is so simple. But when you're busy and running around like a madman, sometimes you can forget to do those really simple things that actually are really effective in, in helping you kind of take things in your stride. Be very afraid of the culture of being busy. Yeah, God, I Be hate productive. that word. Shouldn't have said that, should I? Yeah. <laughs> it's so um, prevalent in the, particularly in the kind of corporate world. Yeah. Like, how are you? Oh, yeah, really, really busy at the moment. I always catch myself saying, I'm like, God, I've got to stop doing that. You choose <laughs> if you're busy or not, you know? Yeah, busy doing what? Yeah. Yeah. But planning, I mean, the other thing about planning is plan to have a holiday. Mm. You know, take time for yourself and yeah. with your significant other and if you've got family with them. I was taught at a, at a young age as a banker, have three holidays a year, a selfish one, a spouse one and one with your family. Uh, really good advice. Yeah, that's great. I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah, and to a greater or lesser extent, I've applied it actually and it's been superb. Yeah, that's awesome. Toddy, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to catch up and really neat to be able to dive into a topic that is a really important pillar of sustainability, the social side and, and making sure that you're looking after yourself and wellness. And I think the key takeaways for me is make sure you get good people around you, take time to look after yourself and take three holidays a year. I'll be taking that back to the bank and uh, saying, <laughs> I need to make this happen. 
Um, but hey, it's been a pleasure to catch up and to get some insights from you and your experiences. So thank you so much. Thanks very much for having me. Look, I don't have all the answers and I've only lived my own life, but I am a little bit of a conference slash personal development junkie. So I've attended a lot of stuff. I've tried to apply a fair bit of it. I don't apply all of it. Not all of it is the right fit, but that's okay. You don't know unless you go and explore the opportunity. So hopefully something that I've thrown out here today, someone can pick up on and apply for themselves because what I'm about really is that people will do more for themselves as a function of having engaged with me than they would have had they not engaged with me. So if there's something in here that people can pick up and run with and use, simple as it might be, good stuff. I mean, that's the beauty of this podcast is that there might be 30 seconds of insight that they hear that they go, oh yeah, actually I'm going to have a think about that and and go and make a change in their own business or in the way that they think or just have a conversation about it with someone. So yeah. um, it's been super valuable. Thank you so much. And we look forward to catching up soon. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Rabo Talk's Growing Our Future podcast. If you're interested in learning more about how Rabobank can support you to succeed into the future, please go to rabobank.co.nz.